And here we go, folks, with Inside Middle Tennessee on a nice, brisk Friday. You think it's going to last very long? No. No. It's going to get cooler, and then, you know, these are those uh, samples we have of foul weather. It'll get cooler, and then we'll have another warm spell, maybe. What, what, you, you told me this one time that you typically name them after what? Uh, like there's Indian summer yeah, and all this kind yeah, of stuff yeah. that kind of yeah, blows Indian in summer, here. Yeah, Indian summer. I hadn't thought about that. You know, but it's coolish right now. Yeah, man. it is. feels good out there. It's foggy. It's froggy, froggy, little bit, froggy. little bit froggy. foggy, froggy. So anyway, well, we've got a we we're minus one today, but we got most everybody here. I'm Jim Ross. We got Terry Wilcox on the board. We, hey. got, we got Coach James Dickerson. Good morning. By the way, the conference Murray County Middle School Conference undefeated champion coach of the Whitthorn Tigers. Wow, that's, Yay, that's awesome, yeah. Jim. Yeah, we are 9-0 Murray County Conference champions. You know, you did a great job with them this year, and you. and uh, you really did. And, and the interesting thing to me so much was what we see so often in youth at that age is where they were at the beginning and how far they came toward the end. I mean, it was like a completely different team, much better team, you know, there toward the last second half of the season where they all kind of came together and they kind of figured out who's who and what's what. So you taught them a lot. It was like putting a thousand-word puzzle together, (laughs) (laughs) piece by piece. (laughs) A big big shout-out to the Breakfast Rotary. I was the guest speaker this morning over there, and it was interesting. I opened up the questions, and we had a blast this morning over there. Oh, uh, Mr. Tickman – Got involved with the Q and A part of it, and loved to hear his questions, and he loved to hear my answers. <laughs> you got a t- any any questions stood out to you that, that you could tell us about? Because I think that's pretty cool. You know, there were so many of them, and there was all great questions from how much it costs to to put uniforms on a kid to where's the funding comes from, uh, what's the biggest, how do you how do you coach a kid from point zero to ten and uh, so that was it was a lot of great questions and we had a lot of good answers to it and uh, of course uh, mr hickman put up uh, one gentleman over there asked me about the third saturday game this year what's my prediction on that and, so, <laughs> <laughs> and i told mr hickman and them over there they asked a the question i said you know i was 30 years old before i realized that bear bryant didn't discover america i thought it was <laughs> <laughs> Roll time. All the time. We had a great season. And, we did, uh, and we're going to November second at Pleasant Heights Baptist Church. We're going to do the banquet that night. If anybody wants tickets to the banquet and come watch it, it'll be a great banquet. Uh, uh, Nine and no season. Uh, Miss Miss Hickman and Mr. Hickman and all of them realized this, but it was uh, in 2009 when the last undefeated Whitthorn team was and. Three years after that, we went to the state in 2009 and finished second at Central. And in 2010, we won yeah. the state championship. So I compared these kids with that group of kids that we had at Central then days. So good. the future looks bright for Columbus Central. We got we got four or five kids can go to uh, Central and be impact players as freshmen. You know, that we, is good. So, yeah, we most definitely got some I'll great say kids. Coach Trade, he's going to love you. Oh, yeah, he does. Well, I love him, too. I, I, <laughs> I go back many years with Trey D and the youth football league. We coached about years ago, and he played in it. And so I was able to segue up to the varsity ranks. And he as at Central when he was a, 
11th and 12th grader and so he's a he's a resilient guy and he is chopping his lips right now for these kids coach i bet he was outstanding even as a middle school player he was i mean dominant he was the kid that uh was an impact like jamari brown for example yeah Impact players as a sixth grader, you know, you get uh, maybe two out of ten years that can kids as sixth graders will start for you. And Trey Day was that guy that uh, moved up from junior high as a freshman, and I can remember coaching at Central how many freshmen that played and, and that made impacts. And so uh, he was that kid as a freshman that wow, and then he got better and better and better. And so yeah. you know he won most valuable player in the state championship game offensive and defensive player and that's never happened before so i don't say and i don't think it's happened since it hadn't well yeah. isn't it amazing that students and i i can speak to this because of the students i taught that you'll have these thousands of students come through and then there'll be one or two who will just top out and you know when they come in your room that that student is going to go places and do things you know. And so Trey D was one of those. For I you? didn't teach him. Didn't because she was gone from. Central I was. By then. I was gone from Central by then. Remember, I had to leave Central so Mr. Hickman could be the principal. Okay. And then I went to Cox Middle School, which is a story unto itself. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever invented middle school didn't think very long about that. No. It was a spur of the moment decision, which has haunted American education ever since then. That is a poor combination of ages to put together. It is. No, I bet it is. They do not fit. They do not know where they're going. It was much better than when we had seventh, eighth, and ninth, and that gave children a chance to grow up. Yeah. And that gave the ninth graders a chance to be leaders and to establish some leadership skills so they'd be ready for high school. But yeah. I, I don't know who came up with middle school, but if I ever see him, I have a thing or two I'd like to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> and and you, you hit the nail on the head this then. You did. There's no leadership skills out there nowhere. Uh-uh. They don't have the, to lead. They, uh-uh. they don't have an opportunity to do, do things. They're just all squashed in there together and then you know finally we got the fifth grade with them which makes that even more confusing and the fifth graders when the last time i did any teaching at cox i had one class of fifth graders and they were so funny they were <laughs> mad at me because i didn't know about spongebob square pants they said <laughs> they said miss higman how could you not i said i watch stuff oh you got to know about that and they were so they would come to my class from the fifth grade wing and i taught this little book um about mule day called um brown brown what brown something of sawdust valley okay anyway i taught a book about mule day and they loved that but they were so um intimidated by the where they were that they were afraid to walk back down the hall to the fifth grade wing and so i would have to walk back down there with them every day to put them back in where they were and finally i said now this just beats anything i've ever seen you get in that hall and you walk down there and you mind your own business and you'll be there in a few minutes so i got so i could get them to walk on their own but they but the fifth grade is just a a little bit too young to be put in that in that age group. It's but, it's expectation killers. 
Yeah. And and it skills it for the fifth graders, and it and it kills them for their parents. Yeah. Because their parents, at the fifth grade parents is is bright eyed. I compare them to freshman football parents, and so they're so excited, but. As the as the process goes on, they get less and less excited, yeah. and more and more and more unhappy. I well, disenchanted. It is yeah, most yes. definitely. Well, the reason we do crazy things like that, it's like when they moved the ninth grade to Central, they brought all those children down there and did not add one brick to that building, and we just had to absorb all those people. So they just jammed them in there. That's right. We just squeezed them in there. And the same thing happened with the fifth grade. It was easier to move the fifth grade up to Whitthorn or Cox or wherever than it was to try to come up with some kind of scheme where we could build a building or do something. But that, there's a great deal of short-sightedness there if anybody wants to know how I feel about it. And we're, <laughs> and we're still paying for it today. Yeah, but, but you know, uh, I mean, you, you know, you're kidding around about yeah. about that, but as, as far as what you know about it, but you do know a lot about it. Well, I think it has taken its toll on our children's accomplishments, yeah. I, I, not just academically, but we talked about leadership. I think all the way around, the children have been cheated here because they didn't have a chance to be the sixth grade, to be the top person in the sixth grade in the elementary school or the top person in the ninth grade at the with or no with or and I think they've been cheated out of a chance to grow. I know they have. Well, between your long time being an educator and coach's long time being a coach, you've got all the bases covered at that age group, and y'all see y'all see it all the time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think we have we have forced children to grow up so fast. And I think that's part of the problem with with academics in school. We have pushed and pushed and pushed, and now they don't get a chance to be little kids anymore. They don't get a chance to just go out and and have recess and play and do all. They don't have much chance to do that because, after all, we've got to learn some strange way to do math. It takes <laughs> four steps instead of one. Yeah. No reading, writing, arithmetic. Not like we had in the olden days. <laughs> no, they helped uh, Ellie Grace study because I had somewhere to be the Thursday before, Thursday night before fall break was over with, and they helped her study math, and it that is, was a challenge. It is so complicated. Third grade math is completely yeah, not, not for her. No, no. but for <laughs> us, like for them and for us. You've got to break it down and draw circles around it and do crazy things like that when you could just multiply it out and be done with it. Now i got a question for you. What, at what age do they start allowing calculators? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Wait, do you, you know, know Ellie Grace is nine. Six months, seven. I don't know. Ellie <laughs> <laughs> Grace is nine and in the third grade. It might be accurate, grade. T. Willie. Um, well, we I remember I got a calculator, I think. I think it was sixth grade in Kathy Cook's math class in sixth grade at Whitthorn. I think that's when I got a calculator. Well, I, I think they had fun ones for us in like the fifth grade maybe, but. Our calculator was eight fingers and two thumbs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, no kidding. Well, I, I say that 
to make this point, I can remember being in third grade in Mrs. Thrasher's room. Oh, yes. At MacDowell Elementary. I'm a proud MacDowell alumni. I'll have you know that. <laughs> yes. And, man, we, you talk about going through some multiplication Absolutely. tables and memorization work. Yes, I had Miss Crow at Highland Park, and, boy, you better know those. You better not put yourself in that classroom the next morning. If it's the day for fours, you better know the fours. Well, and, <laughs> but, and Ellie Grace had a test before fall break that was um, – the multiplication tables for zeros, ones, twos, fives, and tens. And tens. Well, zeros not really too no. hard. No, zeros <laughs> not hard. Ones not hard. But um, we are t- working with her on multiplication tables, and we have these multiplication records. I know I've said this on the radio, I'm sure, but that's how I learned them when I was in Marianne and Neil's class at Baker, mm-hmm. and. 45 so, RPM. <laughs> and so, Ellie Grace, they're very Disney-esque, and they have rhymes and all that. And, you, and Ellie Grace sits in the kitchen at the record player and listens to them. And you can see her when we're practicing, singing it in her head. Well, that's okay if it works. Yeah. It wor- well, I hope it works. We haven't well, got that grade back yet, but, you know, it's you helpful. Know, I still think if you really want a child to learn math, make them learn how to make change. Oh, well, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. mm-hmm. that, is, that is a dying art. It is. Oh, it, it's almost impossible for most of them. Oh, well, it is. If you give them, if you if it's $8.45 and you give them a $10 bill in two quarters, you might as well have asked them to do some extended calculus problem. <laughs> Just an example, we were over in Pigeon Forge this weekend, this past weekend. We went into Dunkin' Donuts and it come to... Like ten dollars and six cents. So my wife gave her the girl a ten and a dime, and she's looking at it. She turned. She had to turn to her mother, who was working behind, and said, "I don't know what to do. I don't know." She couldn't figure it out. It was four cents. Yeah, (laughs) just the simplest math. Yep. Yeah. And did you tell her to round it up and just give you a nickel back? (laughs) (laughs) I think you know what I, I we rounded up it at McDonald's to help their benevolent program, but that may be a way of getting around not having to count change back. No, it is a way of getting yeah. around. Would you like to round it. up? Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, what, folks, we one of the things we cannot do here is get around our messages, and it's time for us to take a break. We're going to have a few messages, and we'll be right back with Inside Middle Tennessee. Caledonian Financial is a full-service family financial planning firm. What we mean by that is we will work with young clients, assisting them with budgeting and rods, young families with college planning, life, and disability insurance, older clients as they bring in 401k rollovers and seek advice for estate and tax planning, and finally, our elderly clients when it comes to the distribution phase of their retirement plan and long-term care options. This is Daisy Cook with Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. This is Delk Kennedy, owner of Kennedy Broadcasting Company, operator of WKRM, historically 1340 AM, now 103.7 FM, and WKOM, 101.7 FM. We call ourselves Front Porch Radio, and I've said many times what that means. It means that we are working to connect this southern Middle Tennessee community, one listener, one relationship at a time. And let me elaborate on what that means. In this community, we will relentlessly 
Promote jobs, commerce, business, industry, education, arts, green space, music, rivers, the great outdoors, health care, churches, charity, sports, and all the great people of Southern Middle Tennessee. Join us, help us, call us. Front Porch Radio, Delk Kennedy, thank you for listening. This is Jumpin' Joe Wiley, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Three, two, one. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway or at ParksMotorSales.com. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. This is Sarah Elizabeth, and you're listening to Inside Middle Tennessee on Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM.
And we're back with Inside Middle Tennessee. You know, I didn't go finish going around the room before we kind of got off <laughs> yeah, on, a on a tangent. Y'all did a tangent like we do to Sarah Elizabeth all the time. But <laughs> we do have the dynamic duo back with us with Sheila and, and Sarah, which we're glad to have. And Sheila, by Thank the way, you. how is your shoulder? It's better, <laughs> but I so's my knee. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I know, it's hard to appreciate the full effect of it right at this moment. So she's I'm, got it made. Yeah, uh, and that's Eddie Hickman right there. We're glad she, to have him and she, Ellie Grace in she's here. She's got it made. But I got it. up and started the washing machine, took out laundry out of the dryer. You know, the question okay. I got is: Is uh, Eddie Hickman you still cooking? I have cooked. Now, uh, Sabra has helped out. I can't pick anything up heavier than a coffee cup with my right hand. (laughs) Well, all of us cook. All of us cook. And I give pointers. I can sit down there and say, Surely not. Do this. (laughs) Do this. Or she doesn't like you doing something. She'll do it herself. I can see over there supervising right now with that that hand going. Sarah Elizabeth said could you just sit here a few minutes? <laughs> <laughs> did she? But she did say sit here a few minutes and be quiet. No, no, she needed some pointers. I, we're, I, I we're perfecting ins- the cornbread. Uh, yes, cooking. I've got her to doing cornbread. She can do cornbread pretty well. That's a lost art. Well, my grandfather, uh, when my grandmother got so sick, my mom's mom. So this would be Clifford Hutcherson. Um, he he called himself Gertrude. He was the he maid. had Gertrude's kitchen, and he was the maid. And so, <laughs> the grand- chief bottle washer. Uh, yeah. So, Granddaddy started cooking and everything, and he thought that I needed to know how to do cornbread and a pineapple upside down cake. <laughs> well, now here, here's a question. And I could do those. Here's a question because I absolutely love this stuff, and I know everybody that's listening to us yeah. I do also. But do you make that sweet cornbread? No. No. Okay. This is the buttermilk cornbread this is with a, a meal. Two eggs, a quantity of milk, and Martha White self-rising cornmeal. And it, I can look at it and tell if it's right. Hey, there you and, go. And then you, you put the, the Sean is so funny because he's trying to learn. He said, now, how did you? Well, I don't know how I did it. And you put, you put your skillet, put some oil in the skillet and put it in the oven on 450. Everybody get your pencils out. Let the skillet get hot and the grease kind of bubbling around. And when it gets to 450, take the, oh, you've already got your batter mixed up, take the skillet out, pour that hot grease into the cornbread mix and stir it all up again. And when you pour it in the skillet, before you put it in the oven, it'll sizzle. <laughs> and you shake it a little so it'll be balanced out. And the that, sound of success. Oh, it's cornbread. My mother. She would, likes to make it thick. I like it thin. Yeah, I grew up on made, thin cornbread. <laughs> we had thick cornbread. <laughs> you know what one of my favorite meals was growing up in the country? What's that? It was called a country milkshake. Cornbread and buttermilk. That's it, boy. Mix it together. You talking about a good meal that was? Yeah, cornbread and buttermilk. Y'all milkshakes tonight? Yeah, get the buttermilk <laughs> and the cornbread out. Because we didn't waste anything. <laughs> no, we didn't. Hey, I want y'all to do something for for our public listeners. Tell everybody what buttermilk is, because so many people have heard of it, but they have no clue is what it really is. A buttermilk is regular milk without the butter fat removed. Taken out? And and it is churned or agitated until it becomes a kind of a sour mix, 
and you, the real buttermilk from the old days when we actually churned, you would see flecks of butter in the buttermilk because yeah. it it as it Congeal was or whatever. Yeah, as it was processed there. But uh, now this buttermilk we get in the bottle at the store, it's not even close to what real buttermilk. My uh, my aunt Thelma, who lived out on the Morrisville Pike. They milked cows for years, and she would call us, and she would have these gallon jugs that where she had where she had churned buttermilk, and that was the best buttermilk. You cannot imagine how good that buttermilk. Was. After we'd kill our hogs, and when after the first frost, we'd always have crackling cornbread. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah jam crackling cornbread. Yeah. Eddie, Eddie Hickman's mouth is watering over here. I'm not going to ask him to speak. I don't think he'd slobber all over the microphone. Oh, that's just something else to clog up your arteries. <laughs> you know. Well, now, is buttermilk produced very much? I mean, what is it used for nowadays other than maybe cornbread? Probably not much. You know? Probably not much. Some recipes will call for, for buttermilk, but most of the, I guess most people, and sometimes it's hard to find around here. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, you just don't, you just don't see it much And anymore. it says cultured buttermilk, which probably means some like. Some people just drink buttermilk. Yeah, yeah they do. Some people, uh, that probably the cultured buttermilk, they put some kind of mix into the real milk, and it cultures itself <laughs> yeah yeah eddie eddie just said because he's far off the microphone that some people just drink buttermilk yeah, it's good. their life expectancy is 58 years old <laughs> <laughs> the arteries are clogged <laughs> <laughs> so anyway as usual we got off on another tangent and we threw sarah elizabeth just right off it's but, fine it's uh, fine what else is new you know yeah, what else is new um we uh this week, I've been trying to balance fall break and work, and also, we are doing Norwegian death cleaning at our house. <laughs> we are cleaning out the garage, and um, we have found all kinds of fun treasures and newspapers. And I like the way you said it's treasures. Treasures, yes. Treasures. Um, Anna Grace has got a whole wagon where she picked out treasures that she particularly <laughs> liked. Y'all throw anything away? Oh, oh yeah. We have a dumpster. Okay. We, we have, a dumpster. have a dumpster. Um, and we're going to have a yard sale. But while we've been cleaning out, all these people have been pulling in the driveway, like, you having a yard sale? Or like, give us two weeks and we'll have a yard sale. But um, <laughs> we are trying, I'm, I'm an only child, Ellie Grace is an only child, and I've been begging my family to do this for a long time. So, In other words, uh, your family tree looks like a pine. Yeah. <laughs> so, Double um, pull. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so mother has, uh, she had her filing cabinet from when she taught 28 years at Central High School. It had all her tests in it. Is that it. all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then five at But had, I, I did uh, save one copy of a Scarlet Letter test. I saved one copy of Huckleberry Finn. And the Unvanquished. And the Unvanquished. And then I have this exam that will absolutely take your breath away. It was 166 fill-in-the-blank questions about American literature. Wow. <laughs> She couldn't give it in today's world. No, no. no. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I kind of think I'd like to see that. Oh, we should do a, that. It's a Lulu. It's, I'll, I'll give it to us in advance. We'll give us two weeks to prep. It is so and then good. We can and then let's, let's go over that yeah. in the show. Yes. We Wouldn't should, that be cool? We it can is, do that. It is so good. What well, it'd be pretty frightening, too. I know. But still. <laughs> One of the questions was uh, Thomas Jefferson 
invented a clock that told the blank as well as the blank. Well, it's the day of the week as well as the time. It's in the hall at Monticello. And these modern children wrote the time as well as the temperature. Because <laughs> <laughs> most clocks tell that now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. well, that one up on the wall yeah. we have it here will tell you yes. the temperature down the bottom right. Yeah. You yeah. can't see it. You get up her close. But anyway, we've been going through that, and then it's all of Daddy's stuff from him being a coach, a principal, no, assistant principal, a principal, and a director of schools. We've also found some confiscated cell phones, some confiscated <laughs> toy guns. We found all kinds of stuff. We found his gym shorts from Whitthorn when he wow. was in school. <laughs> Um, it's, it's uh, been, and only Ellie Grace could fit in them yes, now. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and I have it had all my stuff from growing up, my college, my apartment stuff, and it had I found a whole box of wedding stuff, and we'll be married fifteen years <laughs> in two weeks. So. You need those napkins again. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, it's been it's been sad, but it's been fun because we have found something said look here or look at this or whatever so i can see the garage floor and it's yes, a two-car we garage have, we, have con- we have a concrete floor it hadn't been visible in you couldn't time. you couldn't go through it you couldn't yeah. walk through my garage but yeah. anyway well sarah to your point and, and i'm fairly serious about this remember life is really nothing but a series of memories yes yeah exactly and all you just did was just stir the pot yeah you just and conjured them all back found, up we have found five or six boxes of photographs and i bought some archival boxes and we're going this winter we're mm-hmm. going to go through the photo boxes together um and and put those so um, but it's, we have I them. have cried. They have. I don't know if they've cried, but I've been out there by myself. Well, Sarah, and, that's not real hard to do. No, how many years? Very, how many years y'all been in that house? Thirty-eight. Thirty. Thirty-eight. Wow. Thirty-eight. Since eighty-six. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So it's a lot of stuff, but we've been doing that. So I've been going through old newspapers, and the day I was going through. One of the newspapers happened to be our friend Charlie Tisher's birthday, and it was there was a picture of Charlie Tisher in a paper from seventy something, I think, and I posted it to his Facebook page. So, Shoey, did but, he have on a flamboyant outfit? Yeah, he had a, like a really dapper suit on. Uh, he told Daddy he didn't think he could pull that off. Now it was uh, striped suit, <laughs> <laughs> really jacket and all. Oh, yeah, so vest. Uh, <laughs> it was it was sharp, but uh, beware if you're friends with me. I might be posting something funny to your <laughs> Facebook page. Um, but going through the newspapers, we, we have piles of newspapers, and I finally got to the point where I was like, if it doesn't have anything about us in it, our, our family in it, is yeah. it worth keeping and that kind of stuff. You've got to make the decisions. The historian in me was upset, but also I realized that um, it is... Uh, it is uh, important to keep some things, but newspapers are being digitized. The microfilm is being digitized, and the old microfish, the microfish, and the microfilm. So, um, but anyway, I just digging through stuff, and while I was doing that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to talk about Carter's Creek on the radio today. I mean, I've lost a good bit of my time, but that's okay. We got another segment <laughs> after so, this, but so we'll be good. Every. Well, lots of people go up and down Carter's Creek every day. 
Carter's Creek Pike. Mm-hmm. Thousands. Thousands of people. Also, trucks, box trucks usually get sheared at the can opener at the, the railroad bridge overpass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before um, you get to the, quote, convenience um, center. There is a wonderful Facebook page if you want yeah. to follow it, the Carter's Creek can opener. I do not. I, we do. I am not the contributor <laughs> to that. There are a lot of people that contributed that. I did not start that, but I think that's hilarious because we can sit on our back porch and hear the trucks rolling down Carter's that's Creek. Like, there goes another one. And there goes another one, and a little bit later there'll be. You a can post. hear the crunch. Yeah. yeah. No, we can't hear the crunch. But you man. know, when they come barreling down by our house, they're not going to slow down any, and they're going to get on down around the curves, and they're going to have a rude awakening. Yeah. <laughs> so, you wonder if G- GPS could like scream at them and go wrong way, wrong way, but they probably wouldn't listen to it. But well, anyway, there's only eight thousand signs posted. I know. Flashing lights. I know. It's, it's yeah, T. Right. Willie, it shows you people don't pay attention to it. They don't. You know, if you don't know how tall your truck is. So anyway, um, Carter's Creek is 12 miles north of Columbia, two miles west of Neapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an important stop on the Louisville-Nashville Railroad. But we're going to go back in time a little bit. All right. So after the revolution, there was a land grant of 5,000 acres Granted to Daniel and Benjamin Carter. Daniel came to Murray County and settled, and Benjamin was granted, um, Benjamin was additionally granted 3,800 acres. Uh, the boundary of the land great states, both sides of Carter's Creek, beginning at Mul- a mulberry on the officer and soldier's south boundary line <laughs> and running fence north, 84 degrees east, 50. 50- 554 poles crossing Big and Little Carter's Creek along said boundary line to an ash and elm to John R. Armstrong's southwest corner. None of those trees are there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. But that's that. But it's funny how in old surveys they did that That, a lot. Yeah, they'll read that way. Um, The creek itself, itself empties into Rutherford Creek, which ultimately empties into Duck River. Um, and the original road... Which is very close to the can opener. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right there, and the, the original road followed the path of Carter's Creek. And Mama used to tell me that when I was little. The road is up a little bit. Oh, yeah. This is the new road. Yeah. So but the when old I road. was a child... Well, this is true of many places. The first roads were the creeks. Yeah. And people would ride their horses up and down the creek because there wasn't any bushes in the way. And the... Uh, the first, the Cars Creek Pike that I knew as a child went right by the creek. So if the creek got up, the road was closed. Yeah. But well, it then, still is closed down by um, the convenience center, yeah, or we call yes. it the dump yep. um, down there. But early settlers in the area were the Campbells, the Witherspoons, Gordons, Capertons, and the Polks. Um, and um, this is a very superficial account of the history of Cars Creek. But anyway... Now back to the Louisville-Nashville Railroad stop. The right-of-way of the railroad was dated from a large track owned by Harmon Smith in 1858. So that made Carter's Creek into a stop of importance on the rail line. My grandfather and his siblings caught the train there to go to Nashville. Wouldn't that be nice to go out and catch the train ride to Cool Springs? No kidding. I know. It yeah, would no be kidding. so... Um, the railroad had a depot for passengers and freight. Shipments from there included livestock, grain, and for a short time, potatoes. Um, freight trains would stop and take on water for the engines. And there are pipes 
that went into the creek that pumped the water up mm -hmm. to the engines. And those uh -huh. concrete things where the water tanks sat are still there. You can see yeah. those where those posts um, sat. There was also um, a mill there and a distillery operated by Mr. Hunter. Now you got my attention. I know. <laughs> uh, Dr. Woolridge and Dr. Hardison practiced medicine there. There were two general stores. Um, both of them are still standing in our antique stores now. And the granary there... Um, is still standing, and that's an antique store. Um, so if you're looking for somewhere fun to go and look for antiques, go out there because it's a really cool. It's kind of lost in time, okay. and the post office is still there. Um, there was a large rock quarry there that was started in 1902 that employed 10 to 15 men, and that was a lake um, when I was growing up, and now it's been filled in. So that's if, Mr. Collie Bill's rock quarry. So, um, I hope they don't build houses because that part is being developed over there. So, <laughs> anyway, you know, no one asked us about, you know, there, if there's sinkholes or if there's freshwater springs or if there, there was a lake there at one time. <laughs> Nobody asked anything about us local people that know stuff. Um, it shipped 40 rail cars each month to the Napier Ironworks near Summertown. Um, I also talked about the granary. Um, the granary was owned and operated by the Butler family, and the grain was shipped to Butler Mill on Riverside Drive near the old dam to be milled. There was also a blacksmith there. Um, the post office started in the 1840s, um, and I was talking about us cleaning out. I found letters that went to my great-grandparents. With that postmark. With says Carter's Creek, Creek, Tennessee. Wow. Um, and the post office building is still there, and it's also part of the antique store owned own and operated by Gwen Evans, um, and his wife. Um, and it, the service area of the post office was very large. It encompassed Carter's Creek Station to Theta and beyond the Beach Grove, um, area, which that's Beach Croft Road, mm -hmm. but originally it was Beach Grove Road. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and the area, I had a cousin ask me this. I hope she's listening. Brenda asked me a question, and okay. I, I was covering this today. Um, the area need, near Beach Grove was once called Jameson, or Jemison. Yeah, my grandmother saying. always said Jemison. Jemison, the Jemison area was a suburb of Carter's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a general store operated by um, Mr. L. Sparkman. Um, and he was a very successful businessman. I found a, I have some of my great grandparents, um, checks and, um, receipts and stuff. And they bought a television there. I found that while I was cleaning out the other day as well. The but first, that's where I saw the first television I ever saw was at Mr. L. Sparkman's store. Wow. Do we need to take a break? Too? We do need to take okay. a break, but we're going to come back yeah, to this we'll finish because we got this. lots more. Yes, yes. I, I tell you what, folks, we are. We do need to take a break. We'll be right back with Inside Middle Tennessee. Let's face it, the world is constantly changing, and it is now more important than ever to take care of those who you trust with your business every day. Large and even international competition has made it increasingly difficult to keep your best talent. With Caledonian Financial's local business plan to help, you can give your employees a business package that is competitive and effective for everyone. I'm Thomas Sneed with Caledonian Financial here in downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. 
There are so many problems in the world right now that we can't do anything about. But the hunger crisis in southern Middle Tennessee is not one of them. You can join the Well Outreach Food Pantry in responding to help feed our neighbors in need. Kids, moms, and dads, and grandparents with nothing to eat. For just $30, you can provide a week of groceries to feed a local family in need. Give hope to the hungry right now. Thewelloutreach.org. Thewelloutreach.org. Here we go. Celebrate you with a new vehicle from Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. We have a huge selection of new vehicles waiting for you. We're talking cars, trucks, and SUVs. And if you're in the business of selling your vehicle, we've got you covered. We'll buy from you even if you don't buy from us. At Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia, we're locally owned and operated and proud to serve our community as the largest CDJR dealership in Tennessee. Find your new ride today when you visit Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Elk Kennedy. The old saying is, happy wife, happy life couldn't be more true. Many years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, had major surgery on her back but continued with chronic pain. Doctors were saying invalid, disabled. But then she found the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, and Chronic Pain in Franklin, Tennessee. It has changed our lives. We visited there recently with Dr. Wendy Tui, saw the -the state-of-the-art facilities. Folks, don't take a pill. Call Dr. Gill. Go to callmepainfree.com. You're listening to the best in news, talk, sports, and music on WKOM 101.7 FM in Columbia, Tennessee. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. And here we go, folks. We're back with Inside Middle Tennessee. Again, another good off-air conversation. <laughs> oh, we have all about, kinds of calls. We did more history on off-air than I think <laughs> we do on-air, but anyway. Yeah. So we were talking about Mr. L. Sparkman, and his store, incidentally, is still standing today at the corner of Gravel Hill and Carter's Creek. Okay. So that building is still there. Um but in 1937, when TVA brought power to Carter's Creek, he, um, Mr. L started selling electric stoves and refrigerator. 
Um, also, he even ordered a rail car of coal to be placed at the station every August for community residents to get their coal for their cooking and heating for the winter. Wow. He was a real businessman. <laughs> um, I wonder how much he sold it for. I don't know. I don't you know. know. Well, what if he sold it by the scoop? I probably you know? sold it by the wagon load yeah. or some such as that. Yeah. I used to get coal for Christmas every year. <laughs> there you go, T. Hey, hey, T. Willie, you still do. Yeah. <laughs> Lump of coal. Um, when the telephone came out to Carter's Creek, it was an eight-party line. <laughs> So you could not tell your business because <laughs> everybody. Well, would, it was sort of made you think of the telephone on Andy Griffith, where those old ladies get on there and talk about their arthritis and all that. But we we lived in town, and and uh, we would call. Daddy would say, "Call your grandmother and see if they need anything or see how they're doing." And and I would call, and the line would be busy, and the line would be busy, and the line would be busy. And finally, Daddy said, get in the car, we'll just go out there. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much eavesdropping went on. I don't know. That. I bet a ton of I it. I bet it did, too. Somebody is just bored, and they just yeah. want to listen to yeah. it. Yeah. And the, entertainment. Uh, but Mr. L also had a rolling store he would call on local residents to sell sewing notions and other items that they might need. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. There's a bridge dedicated to him, uh, near. And the L stood for Alexander. Mr. L's name was Alexander. (laughs) So, um, the school in Carter's Creek was originally Beach Grove School. Then it was named Carter's Creek Academy. Um, my grandfather went to school there and his siblings went to school. What um, grades, you know? One through eight. One through eight, yeah. So, um, and some of my grandfather's siblings actually went on to Spring Hill High School. And Aunt Ellie, who, uh, my great aunt, who Ellie Grace is part of her name, came from, um, she actually worked in the Spring Hill High School cafeteria. And she would ride the school bus with her siblings over to the school in Spring Hill. Mm-hmm. Old Spring Hill. Well, and she cooked at Beach Grove. Yeah, and she cooked at Beach Grove, When they closed Beach Grove, she went to Spring Um, Hill. It was said that the school is located in a beautiful and healthy country, convenient to the church and with good surroundings generally as could be desired. So the school was next door to our church, Beach Grove Church Christ. Um, They taught sciences, Latin, all this. um, And they took boarding students later. Um, and then Beach Grove School became a Murray County public school. Um, and in 1920, the tornado damaged the school, and Mr. L brought the damaged building and used material to build onto his house. <laughs> They're going to recycle everything, aren't yeah. they? Um, and my grandfather, Clifford, um, he threw the bell, the teacher's bell, down the outhouse. And as he got older, <laughs> I don't know all the story. No, I don't, we don't. We, we don't. It. He would not tell all of it. Um, but I asked him. I said, "Granny, why'd you do that?" He goes, "It didn't go as I planned, Sarah Elizabeth." And I said, <laughs> "That does not help me know why you did it." But, well, I'm sure that was the bail to come in from from recess. Yes. But they also had like basketball team that they played against the other small schools and around there. They had there. an outdoor court. They had an outdoor court and all that. And this, the school building is still there today, but it's a house. Yeah. 
Um, and then um, our church was... A Does st- it have a historical marker in front of it? Um, no, no, and that's probably lacking. I, I Get can, on it now, I'm Sarah. on it. I'll be... <laughs> <laughs> I, I had someone call me this week to ask about a historic marker, and um, the Tennessee Historical Commission does historic markers, and the City of Columbia has their historic marker program as well. So I think it's important to mark places that used to be there or are still there to give some context to how old that... You know, when you pass it, you don't know. You know, there used to be, or at least around Columbia, if you had an old home, a very old home, there used yeah. to be Those just little, a, a small placard, uh, not much bigger than a postcard. I think that was through the APT, APT the Association. Okay, and, yeah, and all it, all it did was just have the, the year that the house uh, was built. Yeah, yes. Yeah, you know? and that that's cool to have as well. Um, our church was established in the 1850s, and David Lipscomb even pr- uh, preached there. Uh, the present building was built in 1920 after the tornado um, in the church. Um, during the Civil War, the church continued, and when Atlanta was burned, a load of corn was gathered by the members and shipped by rail to Atlanta. Okay. When Sherman went through Atlanta. Um, there was another church in the area. It was off Butler Road. It was Lasting Hope Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Mm-hmm. It burned in 1919. Um, all that remains is a cemetery, and that's where our family is buried. Um, and prior to becoming the last, the last hope, lasting hope church, the area was known as Lockridge Campground. So, where did the name come from? Yeah, Mr. Lockridge donated land on Butler Road after the Reverend R. D. King heard of a violent frontier settlement in Carter's Creek. So it was violent out out. Carter Street. It was supposed to have been really bad. Yes, and, and supposedly that woman prayed that some Ms. I guess it was Ms. Lockridge. Ms. Lockridge prayed that somebody would come, and sure enough, one of those circuit riding ministers came along, and they had a Presbyterian church. I, I'm going to guess that most of our most of our ancestors from around here were Presbyterian. Some Methodists, but mostly Presbyterians. But um, anyway, in 1836, I found this interesting. Over 2,000 people attended a dinner at the campground near uh, near there to hear President Polk speak. And where we live, our farm was a Polk farm, but it was a cousin to James. It was uh, a cousin to James K. Polk. So, um, but the think first of, think of the, of the logistics of that. I mean, think how long it took that many people to gather. Yeah. Oh, yes. Where the cemetery is. Yeah. And then and then what do you do? I mean. Somebody should have brought a lot of loaves and fishes because they yeah. had a lot of fish. Well, they didn't have porta-potties back well, then. Well, and you think that's 1836, and that was before the rail, so all of them had to get out there by horseback, by horseback or, or carriage. Yeah, horse and Or buggy. wagon. Yeah, or something. I, that's what I mean. You just think the, uh, the legit. And I was thinking, you know, you're talking about David Lipscomb coming down and preaching. How he was up in Nashville. Mm-hmm. How long did it take him to come down to get there to preach? And I guess if you know if you're going to do that, you're not going to preach for forty five minutes. No, no, not worth your time. You're going to raise the roof for at least yeah. two or three hours. Well, he and, mar- David you know, Lipscomb married a, a girl from Murray County, so um, and, <laughs> not me. That's me. <laughs> uh oh, works calling. Um, 
But anyway, so um, I thought that was interesting. And I found out the first person to be buried in Lasting Hope was Francis Willis. And he was a member of the Second Congress and a Revolutionary War soldier. That's pretty interesting. Too. That is pretty interesting. And I haven't... Uh, now, how, how big is his marker? You know, he's you know in where, the very you know back. He's in the very back. So I think it's one of those that stands... Um, that it's... It's on top. The marker's on top. So it's like a big slab, and it's got four sides. It's a box yeah, on top. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, But it's in the very back. Um, I go to the very back of our of the cemetery when I'm there sometimes because uh, my four times great-grandfather is buried back there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's still more history about uh, Carter's Creek that I have left out. But um, I'm going to end with this. Um, so T. Willie can make his announcements. And so, <laughs> um, well, Coach so, has got a few too. And Coach, the land in Carter's Creek is fertile and still farmed today of the land that is still farmable. Um, it has sustained many farmers and families through generations. There's been successful livestock farms, milk farms, and crops of all kind. I'm a proud resident of that community, and I'm the sixth generation to live there. Um, and I'm raising the seventh out there. Um, like other rural, she's not going to leave. Oh, no, like other rural areas of Murray County, um, we have experienced growth, and family farms have become subdivisions. Um, there's still several families, including mine, that still farms a little bit. Um, and there's something to be said to be the sixth generation to the to farm the same land. Well, I'll tell you what, that road's not wide enough to sustain a real big development no, out no, there. No, 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 <laughs> it's no. still pretty winding. And I know there. Scott picks at me. He's like, we're going to four-lane it, Sarah Elizabeth. I'm like, don't talk to me about four-lane in Carter's Creek. <laughs> that, that, that will be an undertaking. Yeah, not as long as the can opener's there. That's right. <laughs> exactly. The can opener is historic. And that rock bluff across from Judge Holloway's yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. I want to see luck. you cut. Yeah, good luck cutting good through luck. that. Yeah, good luck. You know. Coach, is there any... Is there any football going on in the middle of Murray County at this time, or is it just all fall break? All fall break. First time I can ever recall, Mr. Yeah. Hickman, that yeah. there's not a ball game on Friday night, but Mount Pleasant off, Columbia Academy is off, Spring Hills off, and Columbia Central off. So, no football in Murray County tonight. I bet you there's some college going on now. Oh, yeah, great college weekend. you got some big matchups tomorrow. You've got uh, Georgia plays Vanderbilt at noon tomorrow. Alabama plays Arkansas noon kickoff. Uh, Tennessee plays A and M a two thirty kickoff. LSU and Auburn uh, kicks off at seven p.m. tomorrow night. Kentucky Missouri at seven thirty, and then of course you got Ohio State, Purdue, Michigan, and Indiana. Washington, Oregon, Southern Cal, and Notre Dame be a good game tomorrow at seven thirty. So, a lot of college football tomorrow. Yeah, park up there and just watch it all day long. That's right. <laughs> all right, T. Willie, I know you got a few things going on. Atlanta still hot. Uh, they got eliminated last night. The Braves are out. Wow. They, they got swept. They lost three games to one. The best team. Uh, in-